0: A reading from the book of Exodus, the Lord said to Moses, come up to me on the mountain and wait there, and I will give you the tablets of stone with the law and the commandment, which I have written for their instruction. So Moses set out with his assistant Joshua, and Moses went up into the mountain of God. To the elders he had said, wait here for us until we come to you again, for Aaron and Hur are with you. Whoever has a dispute may go to them. Then Moses went up on the mountain, and the cloud covered the mountain. The glory of the Lord settled on Mount Sinai, and the cloud covered it for six days. On the seventh day, he called to Moses out of the cloud. Now the appearance of the glory of the Lord was like a devouring fire on the top of the mountain in the sight of the people of Israel. Moses entered the cloud and went up on the mountain. Moses was on the mountain for forty days and forty nights. Hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people. Thanks be to
1: God. As he approaches death, Peter writes this letter and addresses the Transfiguration. Peter was a witness to the event which illustrated the power of God. A reading from the Second Letter of Peter. We did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to the power or to the power and the coming of Lord Jesus Christ, but we had made been eyewitness of His Majesty. For the received honor and glory from God the Father when that voice was conveyed to him by the majestic glory saying, this is my son, my beloved, with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this voice come from the heavens while we were with him on the holy mountains. So we have prophetic message more fully confirmed. You will do well to be attentive to this as to the lamp shining in dark places until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. First of all, you must understand this that no prophecy of the Scripture is a matter of one's own interpretations, but no prophecy ever came by human will. But men and women moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches.
2: The Holy Gospel of our Savior Jesus Christ according to Matthew. Glory Glory to you, Lord Christ. Six days after Peter had acknowledged Jesus as the Christ, the Son of the living God, Jesus took with him Peter and James and his brother John and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with him. Then Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will make three dwellings here, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, suddenly a bright cloud overshadowed them, and from the cloud a voice said, This is my Son, the Beloved. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell to the ground and were overcome by fear. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Get up and do not be afraid. And when they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus himself alone. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus ordered them, Tell no one about the vision until after the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise to you, Lord Christ. Be seated, please. So, finally, we're here. We've had all nine Sundays after the Epiphany, and this is the last. Lent begins this Wednesday, and believe it or not, Daylight Savings Time begins next Sunday. Um, Good grief, that's way too early. We typically, um, I mean, we always have this reading of the Transfiguration, the last Sunday before Lent begins, and we typically look at it as a glimpse of glory to get us through the long um, penitential season of Lent. But I want to kind of shift the way we think about that um, this week. I've been changing the way I think about the Gospels. I'm convinced now that the Gospels were written for baptismal instruction, that early Christians um, would have come to church before they were baptized, stayed through the sermon, And then been dismissed, um, the catechumens dismissed. The scripture that they would have heard would have all been Old Testament. They didn't have a New Testament then. It would have been what we call the Old Testament. And not until the night that they were baptized would they have heard the Gospels finally read through cover to cover. And, of course, we began the Easter vigil at 7 o'clock. And with daylight savings time coming, it'll be light at 7 o'clock. They began so that they would end at sunup on Easter and end with the baptism of the catechumen. So imagine you've been preparing now for a year for baptism, and you hear the gospel read finally um, as the sun is getting ready to come up before your baptism. And one of the first stories you hear in the gospel is the baptism of Jesus. He goes down into the water, he comes up, the spirit descends like a dove, and the voice comes from heaven, this is my child, the beloved, my chosen one. And you think, ooh. Ooh. That's about to happen to me. That's who I am. Okay, so that's in your brain. And then you get to this point in the Gospel, and Jesus goes up the mountain six days after Peter has confessed him the Christ. You're used to hearing that Exodus reading, Moses is on the mountain six days. You're saying, okay, something like that's about to happen. And the voice comes again. This is my son, the beloved. Listen to him. You're thinking, oh, is that going to happen to me, too? Am I going to be transfigured? Moses, of course, goes up on the mountain, and and, um, in the Old Testament, the the mountain and the temple had the same geography. The plain outside the mountain um, was the people. You come to the altar at the base of the mountain, and then the side of the mountain is where the 70 elders could go. The priests, Aaron and Hur, are on the side of the mountain. That's the priest's court in the temple. And then the top of the mountain, the Holy of Holies and the temple. Only Moses goes in there, up there, only the high priest goes in and only once a year. Now outside of the Holy of Holies, there was a table on which was set the showbread, the bread of presence, and the altar of incense. And when the priest went into the Holy of Holies once a year, he took the censer and heaped incense on it so that there would be a huge cloud of smoke. To screen him from the divine. To see the divine was to die, and so there's this screen of smoke to keep him from seeing God directly. Moses goes up the mountain, and we're told that there was a fire on the top of the mountain and smoke, and he enters the cloud, ooh, screening us from the divine. Jesus and Peter and James and John are there on the mountain, and the cloud comes and overshadows them, screening them from the divine. Is that supposed to happen to me, you're wondering, thinking about your baptism? And then you get to the point in the gospel where Jesus is crucified and the temple, the curtain in the temple is torn in two. The holy of holies is no longer screened off from anyone. Anyone can approach. So yes, the answer is you have been transfigured. You can now approach with boldness the throne of glory. So what does that look like? I'm sort of um, upset with the, the designers of the lectionary. If they had backed up just a little bit in second Peter, instead of reading what we read, if we read it earlier in chapter one, this is what we would have read. His divine power has bestowed upon us everything that makes for life and devotion through the knowledge of him who has called us by his own glory and power. Through these he has bestowed on us the precious and great promises so that through them you may come to share in the divine nature. So there it is. We are to come to share by grace in what Jesus had by nature. After escaping from the corruption that is in the world because of evil desire, for this very reason make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, virtue with knowledge, knowledge with self-control, self-control with endurance, endurance with devotion, Devotion with mutual affection and mutual affection with love. So there's how we become divine. There's the process of divinization. We typically think of Lent as a time for us to give something up. Um, You know, we're going to be virtuous through Lent and give something up. So let's just take the example of chocolate. Um, We're going to give up chocolate, right? Why are we going to do that? Are we going to do that to make ourselves feel bad? That's not divinization. But look at this process. Think about this giving up chocolate. After escaping from the corruption that is in the world because of evil desire, when I let my desire for chocolate get disordered, bad things happen, right? Um, So for that reason, do this. Supplement your faith with virtue. Faith is what brings you to church. Faith is what makes you a member of the community. Supplement that with virtue. So give up chocolate. Be virtuous about it. Say, look at the great thing I'm doing, right? And then supplement your virtue with knowledge. Why do I like chocolate so much? What am I doing when I binge on chocolate? What's that about? You know, the Belgians have some of the best chocolate in the world. Why is that? Well, because they owned the Congo for a while and and chocolate grew in those rainforests. What do we know about chocolate? What do I learn about myself from that? Supplement your knowledge with self-control. That's the hard part, right? Every time you see the chocolate to say, no, I'm not going to do that. Supplement your self-control with endurance. Don't let this just be about chocolate. Let it be about the way you live your whole life. Let it change the whole way you do things. Supplement your endurance with devotion. Every time you eat an apple, instead of having a piece of chocolate, give God thanks for good nutrition. Give God thanks for the good gifts that God has given you. Supplement your devotion with mutual affection. Now that you're thanking God for the apple that you're eating, think about the other people who are eating with you and give God thanks for them and be um, in, in affection with them and supplement your mutual affection with love. Let that then be a way of you being related to God. So now it's no longer about chocolate. It's become about transforming life. So I had written this sermon and I was driving here on Friday for the wedding and it was rush hour. And I was being kind of cranky because I was behind people and they weren't going fast. And I said, so let's try this. Think of the evil or think of the corruption that's in the world from my evil desire. I'm going to be cranky when I get to church. And besides which, I've got this lead foot, which is not good for the environment. So supplement your faith with virtue. Slow down. Supplement your virtue with knowledge. Why am I like this? Why do I get so upset when I'm in the car and behind something, somebody? I need to learn that. What does it do to the environment? What does it do um, for us needing all of this oil so I can stomp on the gas as I'm going somewhere? Supplement your knowledge with self-control. Slow down. Start being polite in traffic. Supplement self-control with endurance. Let this change the whole way you do life. Quit being so impatient about everything. Supplement endurance with devotion. As you're slowing down, say a prayer of thanks to God that you're driving in a car anyway. Supplement devotion with mutual affection. Start paying attention to the other people on the road and wonder, where are they going? What might they be doing? And supplement your mutual affection with love. Let that then take you into relationship with God. All of a sudden, it's not about self-denial. It's about transformation. So we come into Lent penitential season where we remember our sins, not to make ourselves feel bad, but to let our sins be that place of transformation where we become divine. So we have the transfiguration before we enter Lent to remind us of what that purpose is. We say Alleluia for the last time today. We are without it through Lent so that when we say it again on Easter, we will be aware of the transformation that has taken place in us. We reaffirm our baptismal vow at the Easter vigil so that we are aware of the transformation that God intends for us, that we might, by grace, become what he is by nature, that is divine. Amen.